Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 228. Today's topic is Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal Part 29. The Climate Report is a daily radio show and podcast that asks the question, WTF? Who's running the world, and why do they want to ruin it for the rest of us, including their own children? We believe that the solution to climate change is nothing less than democracy. We have a world that is ruled by the very few, and the very privileged, and the very rich, and the very powerful. And that needs to change, because you can't have power concentrated into the hands of a very, very few and expect them to wield that power for the benefit of the very many. The Climate Report is a thorough examination of how to solve the problem of climate change. The Climate Report is also your definitive source for information and analysis related to the Green New Deal. On the Climate Report, we question everything we've ever been taught. And that, that's, the, that's the fun part of this, is questioning everything we've been taught, rethinking everything we've ever been taught. I personally have an affinity for satire, and I tend to see the ridiculousness of things. Sometimes that's helpful, and sometimes it's not. But I think you need to be able, you know, at least some of us, need to be able to look at the system we have and see the ridiculousness of it, see the incongruity between how freaking seriously these politicians take themselves and how seriously the pundits take themselves and how seriously the plutocrats take themselves when they are doing nothing but picking their noses when it comes to doing things that are useful for people, we have no reason to take plutocrats and politicians and pundits seriously because they there is nothing serious about them when it comes to doing the will of the people or providing for what we need. So we need to knock them off of their thrones, figuratively speaking, non-violently, but we need to knock them off their thrones. The plutocrats are that very small, very rich, very privileged group of people that are, you know, taking everything that matters. They're in a process of organized theft, stealing not only our money and our opportunity, but our very future. On the Climate Report, we question everything we've ever been taught about American politics, American democracy, American political parties, uh, American history. We question everything we've ever been taught about America's role in the world, America as policeman of the world, or America as the beacon of freedom and democracy. We question everything we've been taught about economics, including the free market system and the free enterprise system. We don't have a free enterprise system. We have a monopoly enterprise system. 
We also question everything we have ever been taught about American culture. Do we have a dynamic culture? Do we have upward mobility? Do we, have, do we work any harder than anybody else? Do we have any more initiative or, uh, or sense of responsibility than any other people of the world? We question everything we've ever been taught about American ideologies, American exceptionalism, and not least of all, we question everything we've ever learned from TV. So we're reading through Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal, and we get to my handy-dandy numbered version of of the Green New Deal. We get to uh, section 31, and it talks about empowering farmers foresters and ranchers to address climate change and protect ecosystem. This is something that is near and dear to my heart because even before I was passionate or knowledgeable about climate change, I was uh, passionate and knowledgeable about native plants and ecosystems. So I love this topic and it, it's a, just a little known, there's very little appreciation of the natural world in our culture turn on tv and what do you see but you know chicken mcnuggets and lawnmowers and just pushing stuff and pushing stuff and pushing stuff and stuff that doesn't matter pushing credit cards and you know commercialism has all this stuff that they want you to buy but none of it matters very much and some would say it's a necessary part of our system, but no, it's actually a very dangerous part of our system. But let's look at you know, agriculture and ecosystems, and let's see what we can do and why we should do it to empower farmers, foresters, and ranchers to address climate change and protect ecosystems. This is the little introductory part. There's usually an introductory part like, here's the situation, and then as President Bernie will do the following. So let's read a couple of paragraphs as far as, you know, the introductory part. Let's lay the groundwork, lay the foundation for empowering farmers, foresters, and ranchers to address climate change and protect ecosystems. So... Our current food system accounts for 25% of all greenhouse gas emissions. Not only can we drastically reduce on-farm emissions, farmers have the potential to actually sequester, that means store, sequester 10% of all human-caused emissions in the soil. So that carbon in the atmosphere could actually be put in the soil and farmers in their farming operations could do a lot of that. But we have to reorganize and we have to get away from this silly, stupid notion that, uh, that everything should be left to the free market. We don't have a free market. There's no such thing as a free market, nor do we have anything remotely resembling actual capitalism so we need to abandon this notion that we're just going to leave things to the free market because that means leaving things to chance and there are not very many things in life that turn out well if you leave them to chance but the powers that be want you and I to think 
that if we just leave them alone, of course, we need to provide lots and lots and lots of government subsidies, but otherwise, leave them alone. So the powers that be want you to think that the government should give them lots and lots and lots of money, but then not, de- not regulate them, not stand in the way of anything they want to do. So, of course, that's a prescription for lots of ecological degradation, and that's what we have. That's why we're having this conversation about climate. But it says here that agriculture, forestry, and fishing are the industries most vulnerable to climate change. We need to incentivize farming systems that help farmers both mitigate climate change and build resilience to its impacts. In other words, farming practices need to be set up in such a way as to reduce greenhouse gases, and also farming systems need to be developed that make farming itself more resilient to climate change. Because one thing that's happening is rainfall is getting more sporadic. So we have Drought, drought, deluge. Drought, drought, deluge. So we need to build systems that capture that water when it comes. And I don't know exactly how all that works, but I do know that, you know, farming yields, are, crop yields are going down because of climate change. And the corporate media wants you to think that This is not a problem. All we have to do is just give all our money to rich people, and that's the best of all possible worlds. But the next paragraph says, Agriculture has a huge potential to sequester carbon. Remember, sequester means to store. You take the carbon out of the atmosphere and store it in plants and trees and the soil. So it says, Agriculture has a huge potential to sequester carbon. We need to employ farms of all sizes, not just, in other words, not just huge farms. We need to employ farms of all sizes and production models to transition to ecologically regenerative practices to combat climate change. So you'll see that term, regenerative agriculture, as opposed to, you know, there, there, whether it's farming or mining or our relationships to the people of other countries, we can either have an extractive relationship or we can have a regenerative relationship. It's like there's a a song from the Lion King called The Circle of Life, and it, in part it says this, Some say eat or be eaten, some say live and let live, but all are agreed as they join the stampede, you should never take more than you give. So regenerative agriculture is when you don't take more than you give. The agricultural system we have now is a system where we take more than we give. We, you know, there's the soils of the earth are eroding at a rate of, I don't know the exact rate, but the United Nations says the soils of the earth will be 
you know, 75% gone. I mean, the, the agricultural soil, arable soil, soil on which you can farm, they say it will be mostly gone due to erosion in a few decades. How long could that last? And yet, so why is that happening? Well, it's happening in part because a capitalist system does not take into account the needs of the future. In, in so-called capitalism or the so-called free market, future generations have no vote because they have no money. So our agricultural system is based on short-term profits. It's also based on the needs and demands of a few worldwide monopolies like Monsanto and Cargill and Archer Daniels Midland. So it's a very short-sighted system, just like fossil fuel industry is owned by short-term focused businesses and banking is owned by businesses that just want to make profit in the short term and care nothing about the long term and the war machine just wants to make profit in the short term and cares nothing about the long term so here we are squandering all the resources that are the most uh, valuable for the planet because we have been duped by these big money interests, we've been duped by the ruling class that wants to uh, just take everything for themselves and leave nothing for anybody else. So let's figure out how to change that. It says here, agriculture has a huge potential to sequester carbon. We need to employ farms of all sizes, not just big farms, but farms of all sizes and production models to transition to ecologically regenerative practices to combat climate change. It says, according to research at the Rodale Institute, Agriculture could sequester 37 gigatons. That's giga means how many? It's like, it's many millions of tons. So our uh, agriculture could sequester 37 gigatons of carbon annually worldwide. But sadly, just 10% of the farmers receive 75% of agricultural subsidies in the U.S. And those subsidies don't prioritize carbon sequestration or soil health. We need to start by supporting all farmers, not just a wealthy few, and incentivizing conservation, not overproduction. So why do 75% of agricultural subsidies in the U.S. go to just 10% of the farmers? Why is that the case? Surely it's not right. Surely it's not a good use of our resources. Surely it's not a good use of our money to give 75% of agricultural subsidies to 10% of the farmers. And besides, what's the purpose of those subsidies? What's the purpose and what's the, uh, what's the stated purpose and what's the real purpose? If you want to know the real purpose, look at the effect. Like, for example, rice is subsidized in the U.S. and then it's dumped in Haiti, and Mexico so that Haitian farmers, Haitian rice farmers can't compete with subsidized American rice and Mexican farmers can't compete 
with subsidized American corn. So these are just terrible policies with terrible outcomes, and this needs to change. So what are we going to do about this? It says, as President Bernie will incentivize farmers to develop ecologically regenerative farming systems that sharply reduce emissions, sequester carbon, and heal our soils, forests, and prairie lands. So how are we going to do that? How are we going to incentivize farmers to develop ecologically regenerative farming systems? How are we going to, uh, and, and how are these farming systems going to sharply reduce emissions? How are these farming systems going to sequester carbon? How are these farming systems going to heal our soils, heal our forests, and heal our prairie lands? Well, let's get into it. As President Bernie will help farms of all sizes transition to ecologically regenerative agricultural practices that rebuild rural communities, protect the climate, and strengthen the environment with an investment of $410 billion. So $410 billion, that's half a trillion. That is a substantial portion of what we spend each year on so-called defense. And whenever you have a price tag like that, our media doesn't know how to do Our media and these, uh, you know, nose-picking politicians who, just, who don't want to do the will of the people but just want to uh, do the will of their corporate donors— all they know how to do is question the price tag. They don't question the price tag of, the, of our defense spending. They don't question the price tag of bailing out banks. They don't question the price tag of agricultural subsidies. All they do is question the price tag of something that will actually benefit people and planet. That needs to change. We need to get rid of such politicians and get some serious problem solvers into office. It says here, this assistance, the $410 billion we were talking about, this assistance will focus on both sequestering carbon and increasing resiliency in the face of extreme weather events. So what we're going to do is farming practice that's farming practices that store carbon and also farming practices that make farming more resilient in the face of extreme weather events. What kind of farming is more resilient in the face of extreme weather events? For one thing, forest farming or, you know, food forests or agroecology or agroforestry, that's where you incorporate trees into your crop production practices. Traditional, so-called traditional farming, it's not traditional, but so-called traditional farming is where there's just corn as far as the eye can see or soybeans as far as the eye can see. Well, 
For one thing, that's not going to sequester any carbon. For another thing, it is very vulnerable to climate impacts. It's very vulnerable to flooding. When flooding occurs, then there goes your crop. And when flooding occurs, it washes all the fertilizers into the water. When flooding occurs, it washes all the pesticides into the streams and rivers and oceans. So traditional farming is vulnerable to extreme weather events. It says here that funds will be used to offset the costs of enterprise-level changes and barriers to transition, including design, technical assistance, purchasing equipment, installing infrastructure, site remediation, contract termination, and repaying farm debt. So we're going to help farmers transition to farming systems that are more resilient in the face of extreme weather events and farming systems that serve to sequester carbon and I would think also farming methods that do not pollute the water the way they do. Current farming methods pollute the water with soil erosion and with fertilizers and with pesticides that needs to change. So if we're going to transition from traditional agriculture to more ecological farming, then farmers are going to have to purchase equipment. Farmers are going to have to install infrastructure. This plan provides for help with that. Farmers are going to need to do site remediation and contract termination and going to need to repay farm debt. This plan provides assistance to farmers for all that. Now, let me say one thing about who who are we talking about? What farmers are we talking about? Some are going to be existing farmers, but others are going to be people who have not done farming before. And that's okay, because somebody might say, well, if they've never done farming before, how do you expect them to do farming? Well, people have never done, you know, train, people have never, we're not born knowing how to be a soldier, but we put billions and trillions of dollars into training people to fight with weapons and to do fighter planes and to do all the cargo ships. We train, you know, the military trains people all the time. Why not take that same money and put it into building capacity for gro- for growing our capacity to train people to do jobs that they want to do in ecological forestry, ecological farming, ecological landscaping, etc. It says here, we will set aside $41 billion to help large confined animal feeding operations that have a large environmental impacts transition to ecologically regenerative practice practices. So the question is, what does it look like for an, a, a, a farm that has a large animal feeding operation to transition to uh, ecologically regenerative practices? I don't know. We'll have to look into that. It says here, we will set aside $41 billion for socially disadvantaged and beginning farmers who have been historically underserved 
by USDA programs. So we're setting aside funds to help beginning farmers and also socially disadvantaged. What, what's an example of a socially disadvantaged farmer? Well, all these people coming up from Latin America, two million, two million Mexican farmers have been put out of business by NAFTA. So you have these people with farming experience, but they've been put out of business by NAFTA, which is a catastrophe. So that's an example of a socially disadvantaged farmer. It says here that as President Bernie will pay farmers to keep carbon in the soil, we will pay farmers $160 billion for the soil health improvements they make and for the carbon they sequester, which both mitigates climate change and helps farmers adapt to it. I'm wondering what are some examples of, uh, you know, soil health improvements and carbon sequestration. So we'll just have to learn that as we go, won't we? Item D, as President uh, Bernie, uh, item D is research and, and development. We will invest $1.48 billion in research to develop new region-appropriate farming techniques and seeds. In order to, so how does any of this happen? Well, it happens because you freaking make it a priority. You don't happen because, it doesn't happen by listening to naysayers. It doesn't happen by listening to corporate shills. It doesn't happen by listening to, uh, to the nose-picking pundits on corporate media who don't care about anything but their paycheck and uh, protecting their sponsors. So you do it by making it a priority and then figuring it out. We will invest $1.48 billion in research to develop new region-appropriate farming techniques and seeds. You know, there are a lot of people that have this expertise, but they get no support from the government, such as, it, I mean, they don't get enough support. They don't get nearly enough support from the government, such as it currently is. It says here, in order to respond to climate change and heal the environment, we will need to invest in non-chemical intensive practices and seed varieties that are tailored to each region's climate and soil. So the uh, agriculture extension offices are a rich resource for uh, for positive practices. Plus, they can uh, team up with people that understand native plants and organic farming. You know, the, the, the people that have to, the, the people that want to convert our food delivery system into something that is sustainable and just, they have been doing this work for cheap or for free. Now they're going to get government support for doing the right thing. Imagine that. We need to provide farmers, organic farmers, cooperative people that know about cooperative uh, groceries and food delivery systems. We need to provide them with the support that they need so they can train us how to do things right in a way that is just and sustainable for our food system. We're just about out of time. 
uh, I, I want to leave you with some thoughts. First of all, email info at theclimatereport.net if you have any questions, comments, or observations. The other thought I want to leave you with is that th this Green New Deal is a nightmare for a couple of different types of people. One, it's a nightmare for people who want to continue to concentrate wealth and power into the hands of a greedy, rapacious few. It's a nightmare for such people who believe in concentrating power and money into the hands of a very few. Secondly, it's a nightmare for people who have been taught fake, phony, libertarian, and conservative ideologies. It's not about ideology anymore. It's about what works. That's all for now. Thank you for joining me. Have a great day.